well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast, starring Jay from the Sensi Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. So Jay, this is it. We are officially in the Halloween season. We are. And I feel like we've started out plenty of other episodes with that same opening. <laughs> like the last six. <laughs> when we were doing our summer memories. Here we are, guys. <laughs> the holiday season is now. Yeah. It's like the minute it becomes less than 90 degrees, it's like the fall to us. Now we are in September and it is legitimately the best time of the year. Oh, my God. And today, just uh, as an example, it was like 60 degrees and raining and cloudy all day. It was so awesome. Oh, it really was. And we both now have our fall candles lit. Yeah, I got pumpkin pie. I have a holdover from last year, which I believe we've actually spoken about on the podcast. Oh, yeah? It's the pumpkin cheesecake, ginger pumpkin, molasses, gingerbread, heavily fragrance, <laughs> Michael's candle. Yeah, there's a lot going on in there, but it's definitely uh, appropriate. Mm-hmm. So what do we got going tonight? Tonight is our fourth installment of Spooky Songs, <laughs> which I'm very excited about. Yeah, these have always been um, some of my favorite episodes we've done. Yeah, because you know what it is. I think it comes from real life. Me with the crazy music collection and working in radio and everything. And you have had the jukebox, the Halloween jukebox on your website, too. Right. So, I mean, it's just like natural that we both come together and get real geeky about all these Halloween songs. And after doing this three times before, now it's actually getting interesting because we have to really kind of think and maybe go a little more outside the box with our picks. So I feel like in a way, tonight's list is the strongest one we've had. I agree. And you're right, because we even said that this one was going to be much different. It's not going to just be Elvira and Rob Zombie. <laughs> right. So no Michael Jackson thriller, no uh, yeah. Ghostbusters theme. Right. Not the obvious stuff. I'll kick things off if you want. Yes, I would like that. <laughs> okay. Here we go with my first spooky song. Number one. That was Do the Necronomicon from the Evil Dead musical, Matt. Mm, I had never heard this song before today, and it's a good one. It is a good one. I know you hadn't seen the play, am I right? You are correct. I never <laughs> see anything. You know that. <laughs> so the play is based off of the Evil Dead series, kind of like a mixture of the movies and a lot of the lore from the series. You've seen it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a horror comedy. Uh, all original songs on the soundtrack, and it's a lot of fun. But is it like a horror play, or is it like a funny play? It's both. Oh. Yeah, you, you got all kinds of different stuff. You got dancing deadites, and uh, you could sit in the splatter zone, and you get sprayed with blood. Oh, what fun, when you're wearing your <laughs> fancy clothes to Manhattan. <laughs> when you're wearing your all-white tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm just more amazed that they were able to fit Necronomicon into a song title. <laughs> like I, 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 you could barely pronounce that. I'm word like ever. looking at the word. I'm like necronomicon. <laughs> it's like some sort of like convention for people who fuck dead people. <laughs> but it's got some tough competition with other cleverly named tracks, such as "What the fuck was that?" and "Blew that bitch away." Oh yes. <laughs> But this is pretty much the Evil Dead version of the Time Warp. Yeah, there's even a reference to the Time Warp in there. It gets stuck in your head, and it's kind of like an earworm. And uh, the lyrics mention the Backstreet Boys and Belle Biv DeVoe and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just cheesy fun. And right now, the production is all over the country. So that's a cool thing to do on Halloween if somebody's looking to experience that. So let me ask you. I, you know, you brought up the Time Warp. I definitely got a Rocky Horror vibe from that song. Mm-hmm. It even sounded to me like the guy who I guess is Ash, you know, the main singer. He even sounded like Richard O'Brien. Is it just me? I mean, I think they were kind of going for that. Even when you read reviews of the play, a lot of the things compare to Rocky Horror. And I think, how are you going to get away from that with the right. popularity of it? So this song was super cool, way upbeat. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes you tell me you're going to include these random songs. And if, like, if I've never heard them, sometimes I'll listen to 10 seconds and just wing the rest. Mm-hmm. This one I actually couldn't turn it off. Yeah, like, it's like this addictive. was like an actual good song. So you did good here, Jay. Ah, uh, thanks. You didn't just pick something because you liked the actress who wore the <laughs> poodle skirt in the diner scene. <laughs> well, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number two. was Nightmare, a.k.a. Running From This Nightmare, performed by Tuesday Night as part of the soundtrack for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Running! Running from this nightmare! nightmare! Oh, Tuesday Night. Oh, Tuesday Night. You know what? Just to start off, so Tuesday Night didn't just perform this song, which I think opened the movie that sort of played over the opening scene. Mm-hmm. She took over the role of Kristen Parker from Patricia Arquette. Yeah. And a lot of fans over the years have been a little hard on Tuesday because, let's face it, Patricia Arquette's like one of those one-of-a-kind, super magnetic, how-can-you-replace-her girls. Mm-hmm. But I think Tuesday, she was I. It was almost kind of cool in a way because when you look back at some of these movies and they replace people, you're like, wow, that's just such a stark difference. You could watch the series, and it's not a big deal no, that they did that. it's totally fine here. It's it's actually sort of interesting because it's like there's two Kristen Parkers. It's not like she's doing a Patricia Arquette impression. Right. She's just Tuesday. Yeah. Take her as she is. <laughs> Even if somebody 
hates the fact that she's in this movie, it's still worth it because she did this amazing song. Amazing it is, song. It is an amazing song. Oh, I'm gonna be bold. Yeah. Honestly, think this is now my favorite of all the Elm Street songs, and yes, I'm even including Dokken. <laughs> Dokken. <laughs> Dokken. Dokken. Man. Oh man, come on, Dokken. Dokken. Oh. Well, I'll tell you, you've said some bold statements here about this being the best of the Nightmare series. But one thing that you have to keep in mind is that you've already said that Freddy's Greatest Hits is the absolute best. So I think that this song actually fits nicely in that collection, and maybe we should do a re-release with that song included. So you want to do Freddy's Greatest Hits with Running From This Nightmare as sort of like the bonus track? Or like the title. Let's just make it the focal point, like track seven. Oh, cool. Track seven. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> but no, I do love this song. I think it's great. And she actually had a little bit of a career. She had a little more than a career. I mean, she's she's done some stuff. Just so everyone knows, you, you did the same thing to me. It's like you send it to me. It's like, here, Jay, I know you've never heard this song before. <laughs> well, what do you want? You don't even know who Dokin is. <laughs> Don't doke it. Number three. Well, I was going to a party in Amityville. Matter of fact, it was the house at the top of the hill. But I would have never went for nothing in the world except I got an invite for one of my girls. When I got to the house, the grass was over the fence. The atmosphere around would keep me in suspense. So that was Amityville, House on the Hill by Lovebug Starsky. I want you to explain everything about that song to me. <laughs> okay, I needed Wikipedia. And I don't like relying on Wikipedia, but I needed it for this because it reveals all the secrets about Lovebug Starsky. Okay. First, his real name is Kevin Smith, not to be confused with the director. Right. I had a feeling it wasn't the same guy. He's from the Bronx. Okay. <laughs> he was kind of like a big on the scene in hip hop in New York City in the late 70s and 80s. And it actually mentions that he's one of two people who may have coined the term hip hop. Really? Could you imagine yeah. that this song that I hadn't even heard up until maybe six months ago was by this guy? Have you ever heard of Lovebug Starsky? No, I mean, I would have guessed it was like a failed 70s pilot or something. <laughs> yeah. So the song is inspired by the Amityville horror. And it's like, think about it. You and I, have you heard of this song before? That was the, the my main point here is that like this song is so perfect. And I literally never heard of it before today. Exactly. Never heard of it. I have a note here. I don't write many notes, but my it's all in bold. Why have I never heard this what song? What the fuck? It doesn't make any sense. 
And it's like, talk about a hidden gem. We've talked about Freddie songs, Jason songs. Yep. Even like Gem had Halloween songs we talked about. But a song about the Amityville horror, it was a minor hit in the UK in 1986. Yeah. And we don't, we don't live in the UK, so... <laughs> What was really interesting to me is that this is literally Nightmare on My Street, but the Amityville Horror version. Exactly. And this one came out two years before. And there's no way that Will Smith and the other guy were not influenced by the song. They're so similar. You also have a little bit of like the freaks come out at night by Houdini. Um, you could hear a little bit of somebody's watching me. These are probably all songs that maybe they ripped him off. Who knows? You know, yeah, this guy's not getting his due cred. In the song, you've got cameos by Igor, who sounds like the Igor from the Monster Mash. Right. You got Captain Kirk. I don't know if it's really Captain Kirk or if he's doing an impression. And then you got Dracula, like the actual Dracula. If you told me to name any three people to star in a song, it would have been those three. Could it get any better than those three doing cameos? And I mean... There's a lot of collaborations in hip hop. You know, sometimes you get somebody to guest on your song, but I mean, to get Dracula and and Captain Igor Kirk, and yeah, Kirk. Captain Kirk, like all in one song, that's pretty heavy. Fucking insane. And yeah, like I, I just just go back to the earlier point. I just don't understand how a song that's this good and this on point for Halloween is so infrequently mentioned. I know. I never hear anybody talking about it. And yeah, I mean, let's but, be honest. Like we've done three of these shows. It's not like we don't Google around. Like top 50 spooky songs like i've looked at a hundred thousand of those lists i've never heard of this song i know i have like 500 songs just sitting in front of me right now and that was never on the list it's weird it's like you know what maybe it just got released and they're just doing this sort of viral campaign pretending it's from 1986 <laughs> but you know i was thinking when you listen to the chorus it's like a robot singing and i was thinking i bet our robot could do a killer impression of the robot in this song Let's find out. Amityville. It's Amityville, y'all. Amityville. Yeah. Oh, you want to go to the house on the hill? Amityville. Amityville. House on the hill. House on the hill. House on the hill. Number four. Okay, that was a cover of the classic Friday the 13th Part 3 disco theme performed by the Hit Crew as part of the Drew's famous Fright Flicks album. Oh, man, this oh. is uh, this is already a classic. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about with this song. So I don't know if everyone out there is familiar with these Drew's famous CDs, but if you go to a party city around Halloween, there are 200 of them. Like mm -hmm. They just basically put out these covers of classic movie themes and even just pop songs that have some vague ties to the season. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is that the covers are different and quirky enough to not seem pointless. Like, there's a reason to collect them. And I think this song is a perfect example. It is. The original theme, the original Friday the 13th Part 3 theme, easily in the top five things about Friday the 13th in general. But I would say that this cover might be even better. 
Yeah, and it's come up between us as well. Right. The reason it's come up between us is because, you know, everyone has those few mental blind spots that they can't get past no matter what they do. <laughs> and for whatever reason, this is one of yours. No matter how many times you hear the two versions, the original and this, no matter how many times I tell you which is which, you will always confuse them. I know, because this is so good. It's it's such a good cover that it's hard to tell if it just comes on in your car. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not disagreeing that it's a good cover, because it is. It's a great cover. I love this cover. But it in no way sounds like the original theme. If you're a critical listener, which I usually am. Well, that's what gets me, is that you have such... Like, sometimes you'll listen back to the shows we record, and you're like, you know what I hear? There's like a tire spinning about five miles out from you. You need to do something about that. And it's like, you can tell me that, but you can't tell the difference between a Harry Manfredini theme and this, which uses like every preset on my dad's old Casio keyboard. <laughs> That's it's an exaggeration. So many, it's not an exaggeration. It's happened now so many times that I'm still not sure that this isn't some like long con <laughs> prank. Number five. That was Rock Until You Drop, the Monster Squad theme song by Michael Sembello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this track plays during the montage in Monster Squad, where the squad is prepping for their big showdown with all the monsters. Mm-hmm. I, 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 know, I, I already know you've never seen the Monster Squad. <laughs> I'm just sitting here trying to figure out if I can navigate the next five minutes without revealing that. <laughs> well, the beans have been spilled, okay? Uh. Right. Anyway, previously, here's something that you could sink your teeth into. Previously known for his song from Flashdance called Maniac. He which did is Maniac. A, yeah, oh. which is a national treasure, by the way. It is. He scored music from Cocoon, Gremlins, Summer Lovers, The Monster Squad, and, wait for it, Independence Day. Oh, who is this man? What is his name again? <laughs> Michael Michael Sombrero? <laughs> Sambello. Michael Sambello. So, yeah, so he basically raps on this one. Take this line, for instance. This ain't Halloween or some phony deal. They be playing for keeps. They be playing for real. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that one speaks to me. That's some that's some deep shit. I know. I'm gonna get that tattooed on me. <laughs> <laughs> Make it like one of those back ear neck tattoos. <laughs> like it's your official slogan. Like I got it in the slammer. Yeah, totally. So as a kid, this was the most elusive track. I don't even know if there was a physical soundtrack available. But when I was a kid, I remember taking my boombox and recording it by the TV to get it onto a cassette tape. You did so that I had, a few, with a few other things, too. You were a big boombox guy. You know, we were low budget back then. Like, how did you get a song on the cheap fast? Because it's like, you don't want to wait. You just want to listen to it. Right. Just got to record it, right? You have to bootleg it right off the TV. True. 
the way we live nowadays, obviously much better, but you know, what are you going to do? So, yeah, but, but I mean, I'm sure you had such an intense personal connection because you actually built the recording yourself. It was like you were the producer of the record. <laughs> I was the producer yeah. of that of that cassette, yeah. And your mom got like a, a co-writer credit because she's screaming in the background while you're doing this. <laughs> Lower that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with my stereo? <laughs> For those who haven't seen Monster Squad, it's like the universal horror version of the Goonies. And as a kid, I saw it in the movies and fell in love with it. But then I remember renting it like every other weekend from the video store. Yeah, this was a big VHS like classic. A lot of people tell me that this was one of their big video store movies. Yeah, if there was ever a movie that you should see, aside from Poltergeist and the other thousand that I've recommended to you, uh -huh. it's this one. <laughs> yeah, or I'll put it on the list. It's like the scene in Teen Wolf when they show up and they bring the keg of beer and they throw it. It's just like, go ahead, throw it in the room. And they throw it in the room and there's like 50 kegs and they <laughs> busted their butts to try to get this stupid keg. <laughs> I know you haven't seen Teen Wolf either, so that's why I brought it up. <laughs> I've seen, I've not seen Teen Wolf. No, I haven't seen it. No, no, I haven't seen it. So anyway, just to wrap things up, uh, I went to the Alamo Draft House for the 30th anniversary of Monster Squad, right? You did. And it was glorious! So yes. what happened? <laughs> so seeing it on the big screen and then they had Q&A with the cast members, it was really cool. And it made me happy to finally see the movie get its due because it really deserves it. You, I think you were telling me like that whole thing was like uh, almost national tour. Like they've been doing these appearances all over the place. Yeah, they did like 17 sold out shows or something it's like that. wild. Who cool. would have ever thought the cast of the Monster Squad would be such a, I mean, they would for people like us, but just it's insane. <laughs> And that was Scream Until You Like It, released in 1987 by Wasp. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't believe that we made it through that without our eardrum shattering. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the, before we get into this, what does that mean? What is it? A, like, what are they saying with that title? Scream Until You Like It? Yeah, does it just mean, like, just go crazy until it's normal? Or is it, like, some sort of sexual thing? What's happening? Yeah, oh, everything is leads back to the sexual aspect. Yeah. But I will say that Blackie Lawless, the lead singer, Staten Island's own. <gasps> He's from Staten Island? He is. Yep. No wonder I felt such a kinship with that fucking <laughs> devil. <laughs> he always sounds like he needed a throat lozenge, like well, a Cherry Ludens. We all do over here. Yeah. But, I mean, like you know better than most that this isn't my typical style of music. Really? Yeah. I mean, screaming until you like it? No, this is not something I listen to in my car. But I have a big reason for falling in love with this. Well, obviously. Oh, you, yeah, you know where I'm going. This was kind of like the theme song for Ghoulies 2. 
I know. Ghoulies 2, the 1988 movie about tiny monsters killing people at a carnival. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. This song had an official music video that oh had God. Wasp playing with the ghoulies. The video is a masterpiece. Unreal. Like, you've got unreal. these hard rock metal dudes fucking around with these little cheap puppets for four yeah. minutes. Oh my God, it is amazing. You mentioned Blackie Lawless. Like, there's even a part where he's petting the lead ghoulie like it's his cat. Yeah, he's literally having a conversation with the ghoulies while sitting on a chair. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. He's, like, holding court with them. Those ghoulies are so, like, lo-fi puppets. If this was a band that wasn't ready to play ball, they totally would have just been like, whatever. But, you know, here we go. Wasp just diving right in, <laughs> making the most of this weird situation. Yeah, and, like, one of the ghoulies is ripping out of, like, the drum kit, and then he's, like, petting them and talking to them, and it's just, it's whacked out. But then you got to think, like, it was only, like, a year or two after David Bowie was in Labyrinth dancing with puppets, you know? yeah. It was a different landscape back then. It was, but at the same time, like, Ghoulies was never a big thing. Like, those movies were low budget, so they were financial successes, but it's not like they were ever really in the mainstream. Mm. But here's this crazy music video with a fairly big band that got consistent play on MTV. It was just so weird to me. Like, I like Ghoulies was just something I saw at the video store as a kid. I can't believe there was, like, this MTV music video with them. Wasp had to get in on the horror films, too. You know, you had, like, Alice Cooper doing the Friday the 13th song. That's true. And stuff like that. Yeah, maybe uh, poor Blackie Lawless thought this was his ticket, like Alice had. Yeah, he's like, that's it. All the riches will come to me if I do this song for Ghoulies, too. Yeah, it didn't quite pan out, but, <laughs> you know, they're still rocking. Although, I mean, just to be known for that video for the rest of your days... Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, um, our friend uh, Uncle Teenock. Oh, yeah? He's a big fan of this song, as I found out after writing about it. Well, and, I mean, I, I would expect nothing less. Yeah, and he told me that Blackie actually got to keep the green ghoulie or one of the ghoulies. Oh, that's incredible. So Blackie Lawless actually is in possession of one of the original ghoulies to puppets. That SOB. Yeah. Why don't we go see if he's around he probably doesn't live that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe for all I know, he's like right behind me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's stuck around Staten Island. He really fits in here. <laughs> With all the bagels and Trump signs. <laughs> Man, imagine having an actual ghoulie. Oh, I would do things that I am just, I don't think I should admit. Like, I would do terrible things for that. <laughs> depraved things yeah so whether or not somebody is into the song and I, I grant that it is an acquired taste this movie is one you got to see the season ghoulies 2 is seriously great all right I'll, I'll watch it oh you haven't seen it no i've seen it i was just oh you're just you know. uh you're playing along yeah gotcha. <laughs> just when you thought it was safe to go back into the bathroom ghoulies 2 
This one's kind of obscure, Matt. It is the theme song that Freddy Krueger walks out to on the talk show in New Nightmare. Oh, my God. So <laughs> you told me about this, and I had no idea what you were talking about. And then you sent me what it was. Yeah. This is such a brilliant pick. Thanks, man. So when Freddy gets introduced on this talk show, he comes out and he's hamming it up, slapping gloves with people in the audience. It's like a wrestler who just got introduced, and he's loving, relishing in the old memories of being Freddy. And the whole point is that the music in the background is exactly what it would be like if he came out on like Letterman or Johnny Carson yeah. and the band is playing the Elm Street theme song in that vein where they'd have like a, a sort of like a small orchestra. Right. They sort of make it jokey and fun, but it's still the Elm Street theme. It actually ties back when we did the Freddy show on the purple stuff. We talked about just how insane of a cultural icon he was. And this scene really encapsulates that. Let's bring him out. He is the best of the bad. Let's say hello to Robert Anglin. This song is basically like my lifeline right now. It's everything I aspire to be. <laughs> it's crazy because I already have my own Sexy Armpit theme song. But if there's ever a chance where I'd ever have to define myself by an obscure, forgotten piece of music, this is the one. Because it, like it almost sounds like the Goosebumps theme song. <laughs> it's so cool. Well, I mean, I could see it. I could see you especially identifying with it because it's kind of like the Elm Street music set to a 1989 Joker beat. Yeah, yeah it's like could that be more you like maybe if you throw an oh yeah in there somewhere <laughs> also almost like a game show song or something. yeah it's like one of those scenes that just becomes greater the more times you watch it but i remember at the time i jumped at the idea for a new freddy movie and seeing it done in a kind of a novel way was refreshing and the end of this scene where he's looking out at the audience and they're chanting freddy it goes into slow motion <laughs> so good He's waving his hands back and forth, and you see his glove in the light. That scene got real creepy, and it just revamped his character, which is so cool. And to think that Freddy Krueger is credited as himself at the end of the movie. Yeah. That's awesome. So funny. So you don't have to love it, but you have to respect it. You forget how good Robert England really is. Yeah. Like, he's playing Freddy, but he knows to play Freddy as kind of like a goofball because he's playing Freddy in real life, and he totally does it perfectly. Yep. Oh, so good. It was almost like poking fun at the character that a lot of people got sick of with the quips and the one-liners. Right. And then in the rest of the movie, he becomes this really scary... Yeah, he's all he's all stylish and... Yeah. Kind of attractive in his way. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Man. I mean, your your girl, uh, Heather Loggenkamp, <laughs> referred to that as the Versace Freddy when I saw her do a and a and I think that's dead on. Have a long camp. Have a long camp. Oh man, I have to thank uh, our friend Devin Connors. Uh, he sent me the CD that had this song on there, the actual song that we're playing here tonight. The clean version, which I mean, I, maybe it's on the soundtrack. I don't know, but if not, that's a pretty great find. I know. I was just so happy to have it, and yeah. the song makes me so happy, and it will likely make everyone else listening happy too. Yeah, this is definitely one of those ones that people are going to be like, oh, shit, why didn't I think to put that on my list? <laughs> yeah, because you know what's going to happen. Like, if you ever have to walk out into, like, a wedding 
or something like oh. get introduced like as a wedding like put this song on this is your intro yeah you know it's too bad it didn't like spring to mind for you like a week prior because you just went to a wedding you totally could have done that i know i came out to thriller instead i could have used this yeah i'm sure that would have went over real well at that ginzo <laughs> wedding in jersey <laughs> was human by elastica which i admit is an unusual pick for a list like this a little bit but here's the thing by this point every halloween fan has heard them all mm -hmm. like, like like we were saying in the intro if you want these playlists to pop you got to dig deep right and for me that means like and I, I learned this from my old boss you've got to look at pop songs through a different lens and find stuff that's totally perfect to be spooky and for the season but only after you recognize it that way and it's like once you do and you kind of like look at the lyrics a little bit differently, it's like, listen to this song. You can't tell me that this wouldn't work for Halloween. It's so perfect. It's perfect. Don't patronize me. <laughs> not. No, I agree, though. There's songs that at first may not seem Halloween-y or of the season, but it totally is. Right. I mean, like look with this song, you listen to the lyrics and I guess it's at core sort of a hopeless love song written from the perspective of somebody who doesn't know how to do things like a normal person. Mm -hmm. But if you look at them another way, it's like something that would have scored a Frankenstein love scene. Yes. It's totally a creepy song. That's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. And the other reason I picked it is, of course, something that you would like. A little piece <laughs> of trivia about this song, which I'll allow you to share. It is track 14 on the Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 <laughs> There it soundtrack. goes. There it is. Blair Witch 2, <laughs> Book of Shadows, your second favorite movie of all time. <laughs> yes. I recently, uh, I was on a car ride and I was asked why I like that movie. And <laughs> it's more like, well, how long do you have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, great, great pick. Thanks. You were a big Elastica fan at one time. You were well, I liked uh, every 90s girl band. I loved them all. And yeah. so, yeah, Elastica was a band I loved. And Elastica was a name I loved to say. Elastica, mm -hmm. Elastica, Elastica. I wonder if they've ever played in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll ask her on Twitter. Alaska. <laughs> Alaska. <laughs> I love wordplay. <laughs> I do too. Number nine. Something sitting on your bed, 
was Dead Man's Bones with In the Room Where You Sleep. It appeared on the Conjuring soundtrack. This is kind of an offbeat one. Not a lot of people have heard of this band, but they do know the lead singer of the band, actor and star of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, oh, and Drive, and Blade Runner 2049, Ryan Gosling and his buddy. Yeah, so just like right off the bat, I was hesitant to admit that this song was any good because I felt like Ryan Gosling has enough going for him. Yeah. And just adding this is fucking ridiculous. But you're right. It's good. It's a good song. Yeah, it totally changes your perspective. Like if you're not, if you're like, oh, that guy, he's just another pretty face or yeah. whatever. They did this with the Silver Lake Conservatory Children's Choir. So it added that flair where it makes it feel like. It's like this old school Halloween record, you know, and it has that vibe going for it. But the thing that I do want to point out before I get into any more details is that Ryan Gosling is basically our age. And look at what he's done. He's done so many great things, movies, albums. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Dude, like years ago, (laughs) I worked for a company that sent me to press junkets and I had to interview him for Murder by the Numbers. Yeah. When he was, you know, not really much. Yeah. And like within a year... Oh, it's insane, like, how successful he is. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like, how much of an asshole, I feel like. Oh, I thought you were going to say he was a complete a-hole. No, he was a very, actually, he was very nice. He was yeah. very nice, even, you know, as a as a kid in a room who had to deal with 10,000 people asking him the same exact question. Yeah. For me, the peak of my life has been doing interviews for Murder by the Numbers. <laughs> and for him, that was probably the lowest point of his entire life. <laughs> so, fuck you, Gosling. <laughs> Oh, man. And this is this is another instance where I, I had to pull this from Wikipedia, too. And, and get this. This is really, really cool, I think. Mm-hmm. So when Gosling and his friend Zach met in 2005, they discovered a mutual obsession with the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, right? Okay. And it says Zach was so preoccupied with ghosts as a kid that he was put into therapy. And Gosling's parents moved out of his childhood home because they believed it was haunted. And they never like outgrew their fascination with all this stuff, oh, like that's haunted. So cool. I got a sort of like Echo and the Bunnyman vibe from this song. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, and like a little bit of Gorillas. It gives me this vibe where if I was to pick like five of the best Halloween songs ever, this it's not like a traditional Halloween song, but it totally fits, and it could probably be one of the best right now to me. I mean, look, look, I'm not denying that it's a great song. It is. But top five, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's pretty sticky. It is. On the it's... other hand, everyone does sound like they're talking through one of those Darth Vader voice modulators. So it, maybe yeah, you're onto something. It, yeah, that they picked up in Target. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first YouTube comment under the video for this is Random Talk 28. He put it on one year ago. Fuck the Conjuring. I came here because I'm 200% gay for Ryan Gosling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How many people upvoted that one? Yeah, it was like the highest comment. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. (laughs) 
so funny. <laughs> so Ryan Gosling gets a clap. Yeah, good work, Ryan. Number 10. was the World Championship Wrestling entrance theme for Mortis. Yes. Wrestler slash monster zombie dude portrayed by the late Chris Canyon in the late 90s. That theme song is incredible. It really is. But, I mean, on the whole, Mortis was incredible. I know you weren't, like, a big WCW guy. Yeah, well, I was actually going to say, you finally brought up something that I can sink my teeth into here because I'm a huge fan of Mortis. And I do think that you picking this was almost like how the hell did we not do this already it is wild like i mean we've done some pretty bad wrestling themes on previous spooky songs shows <laughs> i mean i guess it was to work in brutus but mortis is great this wait is... who 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 <laughs> uh, I, was, I was gonna let it go but you know you have no choice yeah. now uh, good old brother brutai yeah <laughs> Oh, okay. No, 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 not so okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. We'll get back to more. Let me listen to a little bit more. <laughs> God, that's a haunting track. <laughs> so, Mortis. Back to Mortis. Yes. yes. So the summary on him as a wrestler is that WCW had this thing where they were trying to make wrestlers into these rip-off Mortal Kombat characters. Yeah. And it, it first started, like, they had this dude Glacier who was basically Sub-Zero, and then Mortis was his first real nemesis. He wasn't very large, but he had, like, the coolest costume oh my God. of any wrestler ever. Yes. Toxic green and black bone outfit, crazy skeleton mask. Oh, so good. So cool looking. Yeah, and he was he was a really good wrestler too. So yeah. I mean that yeah. added to it. And I think why the presentation worked for me and for you is that fucking theme song. Oh my god. I mean, we're both big Undertaker fans. But this theme song is better than the Undertakers. You might be right. You might be you right. You may be right. <laughs> and I may be crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, for us, this is like the Castle Dracula theme from Wildwood. Just done as like a Psycho Clown Circus version. It probably is the best of the WCW theme songs because theirs were never that good. A lot of their themes were kind of dopey and they yeah. lacked the finesse and production quality. Mm -hmm. But once in a while, one would get in there like this that was just on par with anything WWE was doing. And this is like, yeah. this is one of those songs. Like, I don't care if you put this on your playlist and all of your friends have no idea where it's from. Oh my God. They're still going to know it's a great song. They're in for a treat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mortis. 
I want a very clean copy of that. Do you have that? No, I don't. In fact, uh, yeah, the, the only things on YouTube, they all sound like they've been like from like a scratched vinyl. I don't know why. It sounds like they recorded it with a boombox like I did. <laughs> totally. I don't understand it. Like, did WCW not put out those theme CDs like everyone did? I know. Didn't they have a fan club like WWF did? I used to get the cassettes in the mail. <laughs> oh, that's right. The cassettes, a couple of 8x10s, and a little certificate saying that you're a sucker. Yeah. <laughs> Number 11. That was Get Down Goblin by Jan Terry. My God. And I had to call this one like a half a year ago just to kind of claim it. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. I, you know what? I actually don't envy you. <laughs> with the just the multi-layered history we have with this song. And I'll, we're going to give the backstory because that's uh, always the most interesting part. Yeah. In a real quick synopsis. It's a song with a, a music video where this kind of short middle-aged woman, kind of like little frumpy lady, she sings a song called Get Down Goblin, which is very comical, but not intentionally comical. The take that most people have is that you are celebrating the song kind of as a joke. Right, but it's done in a serious fashion because it was made in 1994. Yep. It didn't really get popular until internet times. So anyway, we go back with it to a time we had our friend Veggie Macabre, a.k.a. Casserole of Disaster. He was hanging out with us. Hi, Bill. Hey, Bill. <laughs> What's up, Bill? So we're having a few drinks and we, we were chilling. And he says, let me have the remote because I had YouTube on on my Apple TV. And he starts saying he, he wants to show us some stuff. So he puts in this video, right? He types in Get Down Goblin, Jan Terry, and he's like, you guys got to watch this. Mm -hmm. And we did. We had no idea. Like, we're, I guess we're, we're so behind. It's like we're senior citizens. We've got no idea about yeah, Jan. Well, Bill is like really clued into all this sort of like underground stuff, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, he busts this out and we were forever changed. Yeah, we were not fully prepared for what was about to go down. No. Anyway, so we watched the video and then we were like moved by it that after we watched it, every other thing we were saying was lyrics from the song. We were just singing it for like three days straight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, not to out you, but I feel like you're leaving out an important point. It's your own love-hate relationship with this song. <laughs> because for those three days, I don't think I've seen you more annoyed. <laughs> We had, we had there, was, there were six people basically for those few days, and five of them were saying "Yay, get down, goblin," and you were definitely saying "Nay." Yes, at first I hated that song; it was the absolute worst. You hated but, it more than you've ever hated anything. But then you, you, you turned the corner. I did because because I said, "Why don't we use your boglin and we can make a parody video?" Get down, boglin. Get down, boglin. Get down, <laughs> so, boglin. 
<laughs> so, if there was ever a case of I can't beat him, join him, it was yeah, you requesting that, like, that Boglin. Yeah, I was like, can you, Matt, bring your Boglin over. And then we did the Instagram, and <laughs> that had to be the most fun I ever had with Instagram in my life. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a great night, and that uh that little clip is still hanging up there somewhere. It is. It You'll is. You'll have to scroll through eighty five of the same picture of tequila to find it, but. <laughs> So the video that Jan Terry whipped up for this, it's like, you know, super low budget. And it starts out with Takata and Fugue and D minor. So it, it's like, you know, that you see Castle Dracula, apparently. And then these giant Aquanet haired girls walk down into the basement and they're doing these choreographed thriller dances. Right. <laughs> so terrible. It's just really bad. See, my so, thing is, though, like when you have these sort of like renegade performers doing these these videos, I almost feel like they know exactly what they're doing. But see, the thing is, nowadays when you do stuff like that, it's so much more like engineered. Back then, she probably thought like, well, this is it. Stardom is awaiting me. But it was. She was right. Look, I'm not saying Jan Terry is an eccentric, but fuck, so are we. <laughs> we don't have songs. <laughs> but I think the craziest part about this whole thing is that Marilyn Manson <laughs> is tied in with her. Do you know about this? I do. I didn't really know about this and was reading that Manson was uh, pretty won over by Jan Terry's talents that he asked her to sing at a birthday show for his ex-girlfriend, Rose McGowan, on uh, September 5th, 1998. <laughs> That's amazing. And I actually think that she he's brought her out at least to play some shows as an opening act. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's what got her her notoriety finally or if that came after, but, you know, good for her. She's a former limo driver, so this just proves that you can do anything if you set your mind to it, people. So let this be a lesson to you. Just look at Jan Terry and get down Goblin. Yeah, and um, just for the record, isn't the whole song a, like sort of a ripoff of another song? I It might. I, it might be. I don't know. Get down on it. Oh, is that what it is? Isn't it? <laughs> I didn't put two and two together. I'm but surprised. Maybe. You, I thought you would have been the first one, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, they were just basically doing a parody of that get down on it song oh god <laughs> that makes it even less artistic yeah what a fraud you are <laughs> what a fraud Jan. yeah, yeah. <laughs> number This is going to take a minute to explain. Okay. What everyone just heard was the opening theme to Pagan Invasion, a series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you know what it is. But this was a series of anti-occult propaganda tapes released in 1990. The specific video that I found it on was this like all out assault on Halloween. But all it ends up doing is making you love Halloween so much more. Yeah. 
I mean, just to start with this song, which intros the tape, it's like 100 minutes long, and it's so fucking good. Yes. Picture the Unsolved Mysteries theme if Unsolved Mysteries only covered Renaissance fairs and fifth grade birthday parties. <laughs> it is like the best fucking song, and I can't believe it's buried on this tape that only 10 people know about. Halloween is manipulated by the promoters of horror movies and videos as a major marketing opportunity. Yeah, it's almost like, um, remember when you were in school and they would bring you to the library and they'd wheel out the giant TV and mm -hmm. put on some bizarre educational VHS tape? Right. This seems like the intro to that. Well, I mean, you know, for all I know, it, it could have been because in certain pockets of the country, apparently these tapes got around and like kids were forced to watch them by their parents. Yeah. You know, it's in so like, weird. you know, real like old school religious areas. It was this tape that was used to make people not celebrate Halloween. <laughs> All of today's seemingly innocent Halloween customs and symbols have their origins in the ancient Celtic Day of the Dead. For example, the practice of trick-or-treat is from Celtic tradition, where people gave food in return for blessings from spirits of the dead. Failure to supply treats would result in demonic retaliation. There is some insane shit on that tape there's like interviews with these quote-unquote ex-satanists who are so obviously lying about their experiences like you're saying like the most hideous things are like this can't be true you you wouldn't be able to say the things you're saying without being arrested <laughs> my earliest rememberings of halloween and some of the things that were involved was it was a very dark time for me as a child it was something that um I didn't enjoy. And then like they're showing you montages from 19, like late 80s, early 90s costume shops and VHS conventions. And they're saying, oh, don't go to these things. These things look terrible. And meanwhile, you're watching, you're like, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Ironically, as a Halloween mood setter, it's literally the best tape I think I own. been a great show man it's been a long show <laughs> it has so it's time for our our activity yep you pick one of mine i pick one of yours since you went first i'll pick first all right let's see we have uh the freddy krueger game show song yes dead man's bones monster squad yep amityville and mm -hmm. jan terry and necronomic <laughs> um <laughs> Hmm, wow, that's actually real tough. It is tough. But I'm going to just have to go with the most creative pick and say yeah. that that new Nightmare theme song, the game show uh... song. Yes, I thought that was a highlight. It's literally on nobody's playlist right now so <laughs> i know it's like it's such a safe one to say put on your playlist because clearly nobody would have this on there yeah i think it's a good one to add so yours was uh you you had a really interesting list tonight uh you had wasp you had uh tuesday night running from this nightmare mm -hmm. you had the pagan invasion theme song uh drew's famous friday the 13th theme song <laughs> elastica from blair witch 2 um, am I missing anything? I think in Mortis's and, and theme. Mortis, yes, Mortis's theme from... Now, that's difficult. And right away, I'm going to narrow that down to um, 
Drew's Famous and Mortis and Tuesday Night. Now from there, <laughs> I'm gonna, from there I'm gonna have to eliminate Tuesday Night. He's gonna have to get dropped. Oh. It'll be between Drew's Famous and Mortis. Wow. I'm gonna go with Drew's Famous Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> And I guarantee you, it's almost like, you remember when they used to do the taste tests, like of Coke and Pepsi and all these different things? Like, you don't even know the difference. It tastes exactly the same. <laughs> it's only you. <laughs> it's only you, Jay. <laughs> but it is. It's a great song, great cover, and it's uh, on YouTube. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. And thanks to everyone for listening to us rattle on about 12 more spooky songs. Yes, indeed. It's been fun. And I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. And I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. We'll see you next time. Listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.